be curious, not judgmental. That's what John Rahm did. And be a goldfish like John Rahm. Super short memory and move on to the next one. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another car train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. Got my partner in crime, Matt Cermak, with me. What's up, Ev? Good to be back, Master We're fired up. Just watched the Masters. This is one of our few times throughout the year, post-majors, that we do a podcast directly after a major. We're going to recap all the good learnings for you. But first, in case you're new, if your golf game is off the rails, if you're sick of riding that struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The par train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. Okay. The par train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ tour pros, bestselling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, and golfers like you and me to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. Before we get to this episode, recapping the 2023 masters and unpacking those learnings for your game, big shout out to our friends at Roback Activewear. This podcast is always presented by our friends at Roback. And you know, I was wearing that Azalea print from Roback and all their master's prints. I can't actually say master's spring prints sure. legal. You know, I hear the lawyer in my ear, right? But Roback's releasing new designs every week. The master's is no exception. And so, sir, if they haven't tried Roback gear yet, I think they got to hop aboard the Roback train. No, I mean, <laughs> Trip has sailed. The trains, the trains moving too fast. <laughs> Got to get some guys. Spring's the perfect time for rowback too. A lot yeah. of holidays coming up. A lot of specialty prints, and it's golf season. It's back, especially in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, right? They've got. I mean, if you guys celebrate Easter, rowback polo works just as good at an Easter family event as it does at work and/or the golf course. So go to rowback.com, enter the code train, get fifteen percent off. If that code doesn't work, you've probably redeemed it before or you've shopped to them before. So think outside the box and figure out what you need to do. Borrow an email, do whatever you have to do. And if you forget that code, remember, you can always go to our bio on Instagram at the par train and click that link to get 15% off. It'll auto apply in your cart if you want to make it a little easier. All right. So sir, we don't need a big intro here for people that have listened to the show for a while. I think they've come to expect a major quote. It's not really a recap per se, of just us breaking down what happened just to break it down. But what we are doing is we're breaking down what happened in a way to help our games, right? Mm -hmm. What did the best players do on the biggest stage that we can use at our weekend Nassau, our member guests, our chance to break 80 for the first time? Whatever those milestones are for you, I think today was a master class and what to do and what not to do. And so we're going to break down Rom, we're going to break down Kepka, Rory, the conditions, the type of course, the things that are required by this. And if you like this episode, I would highly recommend listening to last year's. Cermak actually couldn't make it, so we brought in Dr. Bob Winters, one of the top sports psychologists how, as a how great guest host, and we <laughs> broke down how to help you think about or think like Scotty Scheffler. So if you're all like depressed tomorrow on Monday that the Masters is over, Yeah, that's actually probably a good pick me up. Listen to our master's recap about Scotty. And then today, obviously, with John Rom. So should we just get to it? I think we should. I think we should. What a great weekend to have. I mean, lots of storylines. I mean, John Rom. I mean, I think pretty safe to say we were just waiting for this to happen. When was the next major going to be here? And really no surprise. He's been the best player in 2023. Fourth win. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> it's pretty incredible. I think he's won um, like 14 million this year so far. Yeah. Yeah. Not so bad. look, did we want some more fireworks on Sunday? Sure. You yeah. know, did we want that kind of crazy back nine? But it was, it was really interesting on the front nine, you know, well, the front nine for Kapka and, and uh, Ram and then the Spieth and Phil. That was unbelievable what he did. Yeah. It was absurd how good Phil played. But it really turned out to be pretty uh, pretty even killed, pretty boring from Rom. But I don't know. I really loved watching him and Kepka together. You know, I, I I made a note of this. What was really fun was these are two guys that play really quick mm-hmm. and they're really stoic out there. And the interesting thing about Rom is he, he used to have a big temper. Right. You know, not only is the temper gone, but he's really just less fiery or less animated. He's, I don't know, he's really figured that out. It's a great kind of storyline for the show and for the episode. This is old news now. He's been like this since 2021. Yeah. But um, I love watching these two just play assertive and so stoic, you know, and just keep, uh, you might call, you called it out with Kepka, you know, didn't really have his stuff, but, you know, he made three birdies in the last six holes. You know, you just keep chugging along, you keep chugging along, right? And um, so- Really happy for Rom. I mean, this real is quick, a guy, one one yeah. thing on that point because I actually tweeted this earlier in the year about how to me that was one of the biggest. I think it was when Rom was winning after his third win. I was like, you know, that really stands out to me too. Of like, you don't see him slamming his club or having episodes out there in temper. And I'm not going to say on air. I'll tell you after, sir. You could probably guess who it is, but a former podcast guest we've had basically has played in a group or his players have with Rom many times. And he, he texted me and he said, so he might not show it externally, but that man gets pissed off if he misses it, you know, six feet instead of three feet. Now, obviously playing for fun with your buddies or other tour pros when nothing's on the line, these guys can shoot low sixties, like it's nothing. Right. But I think his point was, is he's a stone cold killer. And he's as competitive as anyone he's ever met. But I think that's a good lesson for everybody because it doesn't mean that he's lost his fire or he's it just lost means his, who he is. Or yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean he's lost who he is. It means maybe he's reeled it back a little bit where it was maybe getting in his way. So I don't want to talk too much about Rom yet. Cause I think the majority yeah. of the episode will be about Rom. We'll get to him in a second, but where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Rory or do you want to start with Masters, the course, what it calls for, conditions? How do you want to start? I mean, let's start with the course, right? And then we'll okay. get into players. A pretty wild weather week, right? I think we're all used to seeing some rain at Augusta. Yeah. It's the hardest spring anywhere in the country. You're going to get rain. But to see the weather temperature just drop, right? You go from 85 degrees to almost tornado-like winds, obviously with the trees falling down. And 50 degrees. And then you drop 30 degrees, right? So yeah, that was really different. You know, I did, I don't know if you were, I think you said you were in one of the pools. I, I did a pool where you had to pick five players and like in a point total. They're all mm-hmm. in point brackets. And I picked a couple of guys that I thought would play well in bad weather. So I, I picked Brooks because he, mm. you know, he played on the European Tour. He's a grinder. I picked Spieth, grinder. I picked Adam Scott because he'd won in the rain. I picked Shane Lowry, who played pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um, because oh, he went weather picks. British Open. Scott really kind of let me down. A couple guys I, you know, did you think about picking Tiger? But you just know when that weather changes, he was going to struggle. So, look, I mean, the course kind of played easy in spots and played tough in spots because the greens were very receptive. 
and the greens were not as fast as they typically are. But the wind also was a huge factor. I think 12 was playing absolutely so tough. I mean, how many yeah. times did we see guys hit it over the green? So into the bushes. Yeah, I know. And then, but you know, you, you think about the weather is tough for the older guys or then look at Freddie, <laughs> you know, Freddie's 63 with a bad back. And it just shows you look at Phil, right? He's old. Like if you have success at Augusta, you can figure a way to get it around. It's just amazing what that course kind of brings out in players. Let's be honest though, Ev, it wasn't the ideal weekend for the masters for viewing, <laughs> but I think from a weather standpoint, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. the breaks in the action, but um, yeah, there's but a let's patience, talk about that there's a patience a level. There's a grit level that some of these yeah. guys just really showed, you know, because, you know, you're used to it being, you know, probably pretty hot or at least warm, comfortable seventies, yeah, eighties. And yeah. so I guess that's, it's a mindset, right. Of it's almost like a, an open championship, you know, with conditions or a U.S. They, open championship or U.S. open with patience and grinding. It kind of combines the two within the masters. So it's a mindset, right? Like you can't expect past experiences. I mean, you heard Justin Thomas say when he was interviewed walking down the fairway, he said, you basically have to throw out every previous right. nugget, former knowledge you have, which is not easy to do. You're used to hitting. I mean, these guys are hitting five woods into greens where maybe they would have had like a seven or eight iron in previous yeah. years. Right. So yeah. talk about that. I mean, that, that requires some serious commitment Well, um, yeah, and forgiveness for yourself. Right. That's a good point. I mean, especially that, that when they were all finishing up those second rounds and then into the third rounds, we saw some really high scores. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a very cold, wet, a cold, cold weather, and then a wet course sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, right. just in terms of a challenge, it sounds yeah, so cold, hard. cold and wet is the worst. Wet yeah. is okay. Cold but is okay on its own, but you throw in wet and cold. Right. Because uh, cold, then you, you're just struggling to struggling to carry the ball. You know, you're struggling to hit powerful shots, especially on all those, on those Hills. So, you know, I think it was a matter of who was able to stay engaged, who was stay interested and patient and who wasn't. And uh, I mean, we saw a bunch of withdraws, you know, a bunch of WDs and, and a lot of guys who started off really well and then just. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely made for something interesting, you know, and I think John Rahm and Brooks Kepka are the ultimate grinders, the ultimate grinders. When you think of toughness, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a little bit with their build and their, their power players, but like, they're just, they've got an intimidation factor about them. I think Tiger carried. What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the other thing that pops out to me real quick in regards to Augusta national, because obviously we can't relate to playing Augusta national, but I think what Augusta National reminds me of is just playing difficult courses. You played Positampo with me. Yeah. Right. The day before my wedding. And Alistair McKenzie, same architect, it was actually his work at Positampo that made Bobby Jones recruit him to design Augusta National. So I think a big learning for me with the watching the Masters, and we're going to get to this in a second. Obviously, it means the most to the players. So you want to win the most. So think of that as your, your member guest, right? You're coming down the stretch to shoot a great score. It means a lot, right? So the option or your, your likelihood of getting tight and tentative and focused on results is at its highest, right? But from a core standpoint, the masters allows for some spraying off the tee, but the second shot you've heard Colton talk about it. Like, 
it's probably the only course in the world or the the best example in the world of a foot difference with your iron shots could mean mm-hmm. four feet to the pin or off feet. the green. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so when I reflect on like, okay, what did the winners do? Well, the winners don't need to hit every fairway and hit every green. The winners are really good at missing it in the right spots and really great at recovering and using what the course gives you. It's, I don't know. Could you say that Augusta national could be the ultimate, whatever the course gives me type of round. Like you kind of have to play with the shot that you're given and use the knowledge you have of what the shot requires. You can't really force many players have talked about. You can't make things happen at Augusta national. You need to let them happen. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether you're playing a tough course or a course that's really challenging in a certain area of your game. It's easy to get really tight there and it's hard to commit there because you know how penal it can be. Yeah. I mean, the course gives you a lot of options, right? You see it on the par fives, yeah. right? And a lot of it starts off the tee. And I think just knowing what to do with those options. And sometimes I think you see players just like, you know, get a little greedy or get a little too conservative. And so, yeah, it really is the ultimate testing off. You know, there's some holes that you can get. There's some holes that'll kill you. And it seems like there's some holes that just drive the same guys nuts every year. It's, there's nothing better than watching this on TV, you know, and then the stretches you go from amen corner. Right. And then, and then, I mean, 17 and 18 are tough holes, you know, yeah, 16 is fun, you know, and then 17 is a tough drive. And so, yeah, I think it's well said of, well, okay. So to your point about some guys seem to struggle here, let's talk about Roy for a second. Cause you know, I did a ton of content about Rory and, and you were big on Rory. I was, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to go with one one. of the favorites, but you know, I love interviews and I love trying to pick out the energy of the player, the level of comfort, how relaxed they are. If they get a little testy with the media, sometimes based on their response to a certain question, it can kind of reveal their own maybe insecurities or, you know, a certain part of their game that they feel strongly about or don't want to talk about. Rory seemed more relaxed than I had ever seen going into the masters. He talked about how preparation leads to comfort and he feels like he's prepared. And he even famously said he flew in Bob Rotella to Augusta because Bob, who we've had on the show, episode 172, if you haven't listened to that, one of our most, actually that is our most popular episode. It's our number one episode we've ever done. He said that Dr. Rotella just makes him feel at ease and more confident every time he talks to him, which after we talk to him, we can kind of understand, right? But there's also a level of over-preparing, right? And when I heard that Rory played 81 holes at Augusta National the two weeks leading up, and when he was asked why, he responded, because it's fun, which I really yeah. liked that answer because it told me that he was like enjoying the ride, <laughs> per sure. se. But in hindsight, maybe playing the course for two weeks leading up and flying in your sports psychologist almost puts so much pressure on your psyche that it is a different week. I know you can't ignore that you're at Augusta, but you hear about a lot of players trying to treat it just like any other tournament. So yeah. I don't know. What do you well, think? Is it well, possible was he, that he well, overdid what, it? What was the other thing he said? He goes, nobody knows. I mean, I know this course is good as anybody. So, and I believe that's true, right? I mean, what does that really mean? So does eight, does 81 holes 
mean you're going to know it better, you right. know? So he's been playing so good. I just, I just, it's a level of pressure, not only to complete the grand slam, but to win a, his first major in 10 years. Yeah. And the masters, as we know, is the most, I can say it's the most important major, but it seems like it because of the fanfare, because of the media, because of the history, because of everything it does. If you become same a course every year, it's you to, know to, com- to complete the grand slam on the masters, probably as tough as it gets. Right. I mean, there's only, you know, just a handful of guys who even completed the grand slam, but speed going forward at the PGA compared to Rory at the masters. I just think it's two different animals. So it's crazy. It's such a tough game. Av. I mean, Rory's been playing really well. You know, and he's so hard. He's so hard not to root for. And don't you think when Rory's hit his best, he is the best. Yeah. Um, but there are some demons. And I think it's just it's just the nature of the beast in the situation for him. So let's relate this to our listener for a second, because I think we've talked about this before. And I think it's actually really true. I think it's something that Brooks maybe does well that maybe Rory can learn from and all of us can learn from, which is. Brooks talks about how he doesn't really like to practice as much. And I don't, I think all of us could practice more, right? We don't have the same time. We're not doing this full time. That's not the advice I'm saying to take from books, but I think there's a level of belief and confidence that comes from stepping into a tournament, doing the prep that you need to, and knowing that you've got the game. Whereas I think I've made this mistake so many times. I'm curious if you had in college. Mm -hmm where you over prep you're trying to peak for a very specific event right and you almost overdo it yeah i once posted on uh, i think it was our instagram that if i go into a member guest which is obviously we've talked about it a million times my peak event and i don't feel the need to like get out and and really grind and practice ahead of time i'm feeling pretty good about my chances i think there's just a level of I don't need the practice to feel ready. I I can practice, but I'm going to be okay regardless. And hearing that Rory did 81 holes two weeks leading in, I don't know. I think it's maybe something we can all learn from. Like, I'm not going to compare Rory to us, but at the same time, like, I think there's a level of, of belief. If there's something you're really uncomfortable with, maybe focus on that, whether it's, you know, bunker play or something that you know you need that week like a certain shot, but grinding over and over before an event might empty your gas yeah. tank before and make you feel like you don't have the game. I don't well, know what you think. With, and the thing with Rory too, you know, remember last year he shot 64 in the final round. Yeah. Finished second. He's just having a, a tough time starting at Augusta. Right. And I think it's just, he this, always has the backdoor top fives. It, well, obviously we know about the collapse, you know, in 2000, a 10 or 12 or whatever it was, but so he could be, is it too much preparation? Not enough preparation. He went a different route this year. You know, yeah. it's, he's just struggling to start, but I think, you know, he finished second last year, but he never had a chance to win. And it's because he was, you know, just kind of creeping back. But I agree yeah. with you, Ab. I think it's always a balance and every tournament's different. You know, some tournaments, you know, or some courses you may have to prepare a little bit more, but. Well, I think it's also maybe my final point on Rory that I think we can all relate to is you already know it's going to be a challenge to treat it like any other week, right? You already know when you're going into an event that you really would like to win. 
or do well at, whether it's a round with your buddies that you have a bet at or a scramble or an event, if you're a competing, you know, tournament player as an amateur or pro. But I think you got to remember like what will help me get out of my own way? What can help me reduce the pressure, right? Yeah. And maybe to be fair, he thought that playing it more could reduce the pressure, feel really comfortable. So I think it's not necessarily that's wrong, play less is right. I think it's maybe the question of asking yourself like, okay, well, I know I'm going to have nerves. Nerves means I'm excited. Nerves means, you know, I care about what it means. So what can you do to stick to your game? What can you do to worry less about what it means and worry about what you're doing? I think that's really the yeah. question to ask yeah. yourself. I think Rory's looks at this year by year and is trying to, you know, tweak his process and it just didn't work this year. And yeah. you know, it's funny you think about it, I thought after his kind of not so good front nine the first day, he could light it up on the back. Like, all right, I'm just gonna let go. Kind of like what Tiger did in ninety seven, shot forty thirty, but it didn't happen. So he just, you know, it's he just couldn't let go, you know, for this yeah. week. So but Rory, God, I hope he wins a major this year. He's got some more chances, but um, definitely a shock. Definitely a shock to see him play this poorly. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's take a quick break. Keep your seatbelt fastened. This train's going to make a quick stop. I got a quick question for you, sir. actually, I actually, I'll tell you what I've experienced and then I want to get your take. My only experience with understanding what golf ball is best for me is on approach shots. To me, (laughs) the only difference I've ever seen in a golf ball is a ball that might spin off the green, right? Mm -hmm. Or spin back 20 feet or so versus a ball that stops exactly where I hit it. For me, it's just been a distance control thing. Like I want to play a ball that stops exactly where I hit it. So if I hit it 145 on the nose, I want the ball to stop at 145. Yeah. Has that been for you or you're better around the greens than me? A little different about green side spin. Yeah, when I'm trying a new ball or comparing a ball, to me, it's off the tee first, how much it's going to spin, right? I'm not a okay. really long hitter, right? So I- So you I, can tell I, a difference off the tee. Sure. you know, okay. and, and look, six to eight yards is a big deal. So I don't want to see a high spinning ball for me off the tee. And then it's chipping and pitching around the greens. I want to see how the ball does initially checks and then those first couple bounces. You know, pro shots, not a big deal to me. I'm not, a, I don't spin the ball a ton to begin with, but for me- I don't want to lose six to eight yards, but I also want to know exactly how it reacts around the greens. So that those are big for me, Ev. Okay. Well, you are just starting to test the TP5 and TP5X. Yep. Um, you've been a pro V guy your whole life. I'm a big tour response guy. So the tour response is yep. like the $30 range. I think it's 40 now, whereas I think the TP5 is probably around 55 um, or 60. Price is a pro V, right? So for me, I played just as good and seen no difference for me with the tour response versus TP5. So I play the tour response and you're going to try the TP5. So as we yeah. progress through April, we're going to give you guys updates on which ball Cermak and I are, are playing best with. And for you guys, I would go on to tailormadegolf.com, hit the link in our show notes or our bio at the part on Instagram. I think they have a buy three, get your fourth dozen free right now. So Hit that promo up and keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram throughout the month. We've got some amazing giveaways planned and something that we're doing with TaylorMade Golf in regards to the golf ball that could be the coolest thing I think maybe we've ever 
released. They've done this with nobody else. We're the first people they're doing this with. So keep your eyes peeled, but for now, get your hands on some Tor response and TP5Xs or TP5s. Thanks to TaylorMade for all the support. Thanks, guys. Real quick before we get to Rom, because I, I want the majority of this episode to be Rom versus Kepka mental stuff. I do think we need to talk about Sam Bennett for a second. 2022 oh, USAM champ and obviously, you know, finished what in the top 15? Yeah, I think he was, was he 15th on the dot three under, but yeah. He was in three under place, as an amateur, but he was in third place for a lot. And he was in that he was competing right. to win. Right. And he special. felt like he could win. But let me, I think the biggest takeaway, and we posted about this this week on Instagram was he said, I love being nervous. I use it yeah. to my advantage. Yeah. And I wanted That's to unpack great. what we think that means, because you've always said you learn from your coach. Golf doesn't define us. It reveals us. So when we feel nerves, it just tells us that we care and what we care about. But what I think he means what that he uses it to his advantage is I think he recognizes that that's a normal response and he gets up for it. He can almost go to another gear because it's like, okay, that means it's go time. We're in the arena. This is what we play for versus I think a lot of players in the biggest events. You've heard Jack talk about this. You've heard Brooks talk about this guys that have performed well in the majors, other people fold because they get tentative because it means more and the nerves are at their highest, right? I think someone said this week, you never see some, so many players practicing on a Monday than masters week, right? Yeah. Which is abnormal from a routine standpoint. So I think the ability to get excited when you feel nervous as cliche as it sounds Man, I'll tell you what, like, that's a totally different vibe than feeling, oh, shit, I'm feeling it now, right? Yeah. I hope I don't mess up. It's offensive versus defensive. What do you think? I, I think it's a really great lesson for everybody. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool to listen to. I mean, it's like playing like a kid, right? And he is a young kid. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great way to say it, and it's, but it's easier said than done. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. I love that level of confidence. I think he really thrives off adrenaline, right? Because when you're nervous it is there's a sense of adrenaline it's just what you're going to do with that adrenaline right are you going to yeah. kind of are you going to get tight try to force it or are you just going to cut it loose and i just love his old his swing now look at that swing ab brings it inside kind of comes over the top i mean it's a very old school swing yeah you might say not the best looking you want to talk about a it. swing that repeats and he, he owns it but there's a lot of swings from the old days that look like that and it's it's amazing so yeah i i loved hearing that i mean i want to give you a quick yeah, it was, story it was great perspective I've got a quick story for you that I think a lot of people might relate to because when you hear, I love the nerves, I think sometimes as like a 15 handicap, you can see this like phenom kid that just won the USAM and contending in the masters. Like it's easy for him. Right. But I've got a story where I did this recently and you guys know, if you've listened to the show for a while, or if you're new, you will know in a second that I struggled for the past year, but really my whole golfing life. I've struggled big time with the driver. Like I'm talking push slices, snap hooks, the whole gambit and really struggled with like true anxiety off the tee because I had seen such bad shots in the past. And that's coming off the range of hitting it well, kind of like Kisner said in his interview, right? Like I hit 8,000 good ones on the range and then I go to the course and you're like, I can't do it, right? Well, Especially just the you, other when you see it on the first or second hole, right? You convince yourself 
Uh, just it's it's over. Suck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I have a story from the other day where I started to feel that same feeling in my hands where I'm my heart starting to pump and my hands are buzzing a little bit. And mm-hmm. historically, when that would happen, it would be hard for me to really close the face down and keep it real open. My hands would get a little jittery. And that's when things would start to unravel for me. Well, for the first time ever, I'm on the tee and I said, good. All right. This is what I prepare for. This means that I'm in the arena and I'm doing something that matters. So let's go back to what I know works, which is taking a full turn and feeling it light through the transition and just smash it, smash my draw. Yep. And I did this on the first tee with no warm up in front of three people that I hadn't met. And I almost drove the green down the middle of a drivable four. And I remember just thinking, you know, I was pretty pumped up after that because that wasn't just something I told myself. I believed it. And I totally, it's a totally different mindset than please don't do it. But like, please, you know, replicate what you saw on the range. It's almost like my former self was in the passenger seat and the anxiety was driving. And I was like, just please stay on the road. Don't crash where the new self said, move the fuck over. I'm driving and I'm going to tell you what we're doing here. Yeah, This is what works for me and I'm okay. And watch me do my thing. Yeah. I love it's that. It's a Ev. totally different thing. And I think that's what Sam Bennett is kind of talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think for you, which is really, really good. You just stopped yourself. Like, yeah. okay, I feel this. I don't like this. <laughs> you know, yeah. You stop. It's uncomfortable. And you went through your routine again and you, you kind of have to fight a little harder for it. You have to refocus you know? <laughs> big time. But I love that because you're like, all right, just step back or just look away, you know, and you, and you got recentered too yeah. often than now we don't do that. Right. So that, especially to do it on the first hole when you're always nervous on the first hole. That was probably then a great key for you the rest of the round. I know you played pretty well because I'm yeah. sure you had his moments like that later, you know, yeah, and whole, for sure. you know on a tee shot you didn't like or an approach shot over the water or something. You just. Yeah. And you know, the magic of that term real quick, and then I'll get to Kepka and Rom is there's also a really, I've learned recently, a real power in starting slow, starting with patience, swinging really light, leading with tempo going to the fat parts of the fairway and just telling yourself that like, as the round gets going, you're going to start to feel, you know, in the middle of the round, you always tend to find a little bit of a groove sometimes Sure. of you're feeling loose. You're starting to understand what your miss is. You're starting to get in your routine. Kind of know who we are today. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's just like, let's get to that zone. And I, I trust that I'm going to get there, but I don't need to smash it off the first tee. I don't need to hit the first one. Perfect. And speaking of that, Let's go to Kepka for a second. I don't think I've ever seen a leader in the final group. It wasn't even a snap hook. It was a left of left straight pole with a three wood, which is like really talking unusual. about the, you're talking about the first hole, the first hole for Kepka. Yeah. And we saw now, a lot. Of, he wasn't the only one who did this too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hovland was, was over there. Shaw yeah. was over there early in the week, but yeah, but now look think Kepka, about that. When you think about Kepka, the ultimate, the ultimate tough guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nerve, I mean, that has to rattle anyone. Yeah. Now in the moment, I thought to myself, wow, what a great showing by Kepka. Cause honestly, 
I mean, we saw this with Tiger in 2019. The bigger your miss off the tee, a lot of times you're rewarded um, because you get into another fairway. You can hit it over the trees. So he had a decent look. He still hit a five iron pin high on the first green. Two putt. I mean, it was a hell of a shot. It was two. Hell of a shot. Get it up over the trees. Yeah, hell of a shot. So I was like, (laughs) wow, what a response to that first tee shot, because that could really be like, whoa, what was that? Right. His first, you know, real performance and contention since you know, being out of it for the last couple of years with injuries, but he kind of, I don't know, maybe that was residual all day. I mean, he didn't sound like he, in his interview post round that he was that upset with his game. He just kind of talked about how he just didn't have it. And some days you do, some days you don't. I thought his control was just a little off. I mean, the first two days he was unbelievable. And then he kind of was just kind of a slow burn. And then Ron was just really solid. You think Kepka's performance is a perfect example of trying to hang on? Like you can't hang on? I don't, and pressing. I, I don't know. I don't think. I, I don't think I really saw him press. I just don't think he quite controlled his ball. He was just m- missing a few fairs, and a lot of it, he never hit any iron shots close. Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah. Like th- him and Ram were in some good positions off the tee in the front nine, and Ram was just hitting it, hitting it in there and giving himself chances. Right. I just think Kepka just. I don't know. He couldn't quite replicate. You know, he won the week before on Live, so he had all the confidence. Greg Norman said, "I never." I told him, "Brooks, I've never seen you swing this free." So, I mean, he wins and live 15 under and then goes and shoots 12 under in the first two days. I think just, the, I think the moment, I think the weather, I think the conditions and it just was a little off. And I yeah. love what he said at the end though. You know, I just didn't get any good breaks today. Right. And a great example of that was on 13. Him and Ron both hit in the fairway. Second shot is five yards different than Rom's, but it's up on near the bunker, had a bad stance. Yeah. Rom left it in the fringe, up and down birdie, up and down par. You know? Yeah. So, and that's what it is in major golf. But Brooks, it's good to have him back. I mean, say what you want about Liv. It's not what this show, we're not going to get into what we think about necessarily about Liv, but he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch and he's healthy. Let's talk real quick about the power of, it's kind of like when you really hope you play well, and you have a really bad front nine and you say to yourself, well, I guess my round's done, right? The round that I hoped for is done. And then you have a great back nine because you've let go of the result. Brooks was the only, I just got this stat. The last time a 54 hole leader or co-leader at the masters did not make a single birdie in the final round was 1995 by Brian Henninger. And that was through the front nine that I saw that stat. And then, when Brooks probably thought he was out of it, he made three birdies in his last six coming in. Just shows right? you how tough he is, you know? Yeah. I think it also it shows toughness, but it also shows maybe he let go a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think he just, I mean. Maybe he was swinging a little bit freer. You know, that. he had a lot of lip outs, right? He was just a little off here, a little off there. And, and sometimes that happens, Ev, right? When you see the bad results and maybe it got into his head, I don't know if I can win this it kind of sometimes frees you up then. Right. So like, how do you, you know, not to get, we're not giving Brooks Kepka advice, but for us, why do we have that? You know, that, you know, that famous bad front and great back. How did we become the tale of two golfers? Right. And it's because you've accepted, you've, you've accepted the results. Right. <laughs> right. You've accepted it. Well, let me play this quote really quick. I put this in a, in a TikTok, not to get too meta. But I think this is really relevant. I'm going to play this for a sec. I think 
happiness is about letting go of what you thought your life was supposed to be and just embracing where you are now and how special it is. So letting go of where you thought you were supposed to be and embracing where you are. I mean, if you think about it, most of the time we're feeling angst, frustration, sadness, anger. It's probably because we're not where we thought we would be. It's not actually the thing that's making us angry. It's just our perspective and expectation of where we are relative to where we want to be. So, yeah, it's a lot of, oh man, I've battled so hard today. It's not my day. Let's just, uh, let's have fun on these last few holes. Yeah. How much have we done that? And we've just seen just, a, oh my God, I just smoked a drive. Right. Just stuck an iron shot. And I just made a, I freed up my budding stroke. I know. And, that's- and I, I think that's what makes major golf so great is because look, everyone out there is a human being. So you think it's easy for John Rahm to forget or not focus on the fact that he's going to win a green jacket, just like some of his biggest idols, Spanish idols from Spain. Like, no, but I think the point of, of golf really is having to continually come back to something. That's all mindfulness is, is just coming back. How good are you you at resetting? Right. Yeah. We know the ones that the the best players in the world that we watch are are the best at it. Like the, the one, the snap hook doesn't define me. Like it defines so many, it defines amateurs, right? Yeah. Isn't it funny how the amateurs, we throw our hands up in the air and we get so pissed. Where did that come from? And then you see Brooks do that on the first hole and look what John Rahm does on 18. Right. Do you know how hard it must be to have a four shot lead going into 18 and stepping up on that tee box and having to hit a provisional, yeah. potentially hitting three off the, a not easy hole? Not great. Do you know? Can you imagine what that must have felt like? I'm sure we've all felt something that yeah. irks us like that, but right. not to that level. And then he gets a break and he ends up making an unbelievable par. Let's talk about Rom. Let's finish yeah. this episode really unpacking Rom's mindset that I think people can replicate. I mean, to me, think about the most pivotal moments. 12, 15, 13. Yeah, I mean, look, it's Amen Corner. 10. I thought all I of thought those that- moments he hit it the one place he had to hit it. Yeah. I right, thought the middle of the green on, th- on 12 drive on 13 for me was the key shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said too. He's the natural cutter, right? He's a left or writer. That is a draw hole. He could have absolutely pulled three wood and hit something out kind of short out in the fairway, three shot hole. But you know, I think he had a two shot lead at that point. Maybe was it maybe the more, tournament yeah. was still, the, you know, and he just like, no, I'm going to go hit the shot. <laughs> like I'm going right. to step up and I, I got to go win this golf tournament. And, it, and, it, and he put it in a place, you know, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, so and I don't know if you remember the telecast pointed this out really nicely. Um, and I've seen Scotty Scheffler talk about this in videos with TaylorMade where he put it a hair back in his stance, which allows the face to get a little bit more closed. And then he can swing really hard to the right. And it produces a really great draw. Yeah. For it him. Kinda sets the club a little bit behind the ball. Yeah. Too. Which is, you know, I think it's a little technical for all of us, but I think it's also like, not at all. Yeah. How nice is it for him to just know through practice that this is my feel 
and my adjustment and commit to that. Yeah. I mean, I think and he yeah. committed and he hit a shot that is not, you know, comfortable for him on the biggest moment. And he had a six iron in and he right. still went, obviously went for it, but you know, he put it and, and think about this. Okay. He's got a six iron in when you've got a lead like him, you're thinking, okay, well, I've got to really make sure I'm safe in these moments where water comes into play, right? You can do a double really quick. We've seen it with Spieth, you know, um, with a chance to win his second uh, green jacket. I think he hit it long, middle left part of the green, long in that little collection area. I mean, what a pro shot to hit it there. Not make water even an option. Because even with the six iron, we saw a lot of guys having to hit three irons. It's the uneven lies. It's such a tough shot. Because you lose height, you know, over the so like exactly he missed it in the perfect spot. And then on 14, he pushes the drive. And it's just a, his hands are so good. He hits the slinging draw, which is not his shot. And then he hits the little punch cut around the trees on 14, uses the slope oh, and hits it to five feet. You know, so, how amazing was that? I mean, it just to show you, and Chris, we had Chris Trotty, Trotty from TaylorMade was on the show, and he just talks about how he'd watch Rom on the range. You know, and just use his hands. Hit at one sixty five with a seven iron. Now hit at one seventy five with a seven iron, and he's just working his hands. So I, yeah, for me it was driving thirteen, and then uh, the little, the, then the second shot at fourteen. It's pretty special. I mean, we we posted right after the Masters. I said, you know, this man. Let me pull it up here. And know this what man, I, yeah, good. Four putted and doubled the first hole of the tournament. Right. You talked about that response of where that, what the hell did that come from? I'm here for the masters and this is how I start. It must not be my week. Right. And then the very last hole, he snap hooks his drive after hitting these slinging cuts, these beautiful butter cuts all day long. And he snap hooks it left of left. Right. Very few people on the planet can hit a ball like John Rahm, but all of us can learn from his ability to have a short memory manage your game and stay in it mentally, no matter what. Yeah. And I think on the 18, I'm sure he's like, Oh man, geez, I was pretty nervous there. I got really quick. Right. You know? You right. Know? And then just kind of resettle. And then he hit that provisional, you know, nice cut, but he got a nice break, but um, let's go back for a second. So the drive on 13, I thought was key, but and I talked about the second shot on 14, but I loved his drive on 14. So he got a four shot lead. And he hit a 276-yard little butter cut out there. Four-shot lead, you know, going to, you know, 14, you know, or excuse me, this was on 15. Let's go. The 15 drive. He hit a, he just oh, hit yeah. a little Far fairway five. finder yep. on 15. Yeah. He had a four-shot lead because he birdied 14. I love that, right? You could, you see him amp it up and turn it right to left. And then you see him, hey, this is a three-shot hole. Just little fairway finder. I'm going to lay up. You know, he made an easy par. Love that, Ev, right? The mm-hmm. discipline. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about what I wanted to say to recap Rom's round uh, on social media. That is actually one thing that I considered to say, because I say over and over, we can't relate to how John Rom can hit a ball, but imagine you could hit a ball like him for a second. Do you know how much discipline it takes for him and all these guys to not fire at pins? Right. And just take your medicine and hit the high percentage shot. I mean, they literally said on the telecast today, John Rom will win if he can make committed swings, conservative targets. 
we say aggressive swings and conservative targets, but same thing. Yeah. Right. And that's what he did. He was a technician and this is what tiger did. Tiger has won so many majors by outthinking everybody else and course managing the course. Well, especially his last masters as he yeah. got older. Yeah. That was right? a perfect example. I mean, yeah. perfect example. So I think, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to sum up John Rahm's mindset. Well, I, this is what I would say for all the listeners. You, we saw today what holes he know he could kind of push it, turn up, turn up the dial, and what holes he's got to just pull back, right? So for everybody yeah. listening, there's gonna be you know what holes that you feel okay when you're on the tee, looks okay in front of you. All right, well you don't dial it up a little bit, and then there's gonna be some holes that are tough that are have more trouble. Reset, get a game plan. And play the high percentage, safer shot. Right. Recognize when you have you have to mix it up. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of reminds me of this past weekend. For me, I really amazed myself. I was texting you. I broke eighty back to back rounds for the first time in yeah, well yeah, over a year. You're on a nice little run right now. And I realized, you know, I was just so focused on my sensory states and my feels. And there was this par four over water where there's a bunker on the right, water on the left, and then this really narrow sliver of fairway. And I aimed at that bunker and I said, All right, I'm going to aim at the left part of that bunker and I'm going to draw it off the bunker. And I had a beautiful light transition and I just went to mash my draw. And I walked up in that fairway. It was my best drive of the day. And I remember looking back at the tee thinking, man, a year ago, I would have been freaking out about this narrow landing area. And I would have been thinking about, okay, maybe I should lay back, you know, and playing real defensive. And who knows if that was the right club, but I was amazed that I did that. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get so in our heads and we look at these guys on tour, like how do they hit that when they need to most? And I don't think they're thinking about it. I think they're so in their own process exactly. and they've done it so many times that all they do is they just go back to their thing. What is their thing? Is it their, well, what is my, what is my routine? What is my routine? What's and my what works for, for me under pressure? And just, right. Is it my tempo? Yeah. Is it my balance? Is it all these things? And uh, I'm not trying to compare myself to John Rom. I'm an eight handicap, <laughs> but you know, I will say, Lately, I've been starting to get some aha, more aha moments again. Yeah. And well, the, I the think assert, the assertiveness is coming back. Yeah. And I think that's key. If you guys are struggling out there, you're not going to go from struggling to confidence right away. I think so many of us are searching for that one tip that's going to change everything. It's been well, very pro, gradual for me. Those are too. <laughs> I know. Totally. I think it's been like, all right, start to have a couple rounds where you're starting to see some good ones again, start to yeah. increase the number of good ones you're seeing. Then that's confidence builds, yeah. you know? And I think John Rahm is a perfect example of a guy that, I mean, he literally said in his Tuesday press conference, he's like, the course is right in front of you. There's a million ways to play it, but the course is right in front of you. And whoever plays the best is going to win plain and simple. And that guy was, you could tell, I said before the tournament started, he was laser focused. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're dead on. I, I kind of want to end on a, a statistic 
but as it relates to short game, I mean, Rom's chipping and pitching was amazing, but how much great chipping and pitching did we see from everybody? Spieth today on 10, he hit that yeah. flop. I mean, Cameron Young, Hovland, these guys are getting up and down from everywhere. Here's the statistic, and it's great for our listeners. Have You know, the I saw this on Twitter this weekend. The average 18 handicapper hits three greens around, averages three greens in regulation. So the guy or the gal shoots, you know, 94, 96, 90, whatever you're playing, yeah. it's three greens. So just think, just think if you could chip and pitch a little better and a little smarter to get up and down a little bit more, you'd become a 14 handicap in weeks. Yeah. So, and guess how many greens a scratch player hits per round? What's the current average? Nine? Nine. Yeah. And so a so. lot of people out there are like, oh, I need to, you know, hit 13 greens. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. The PJ Tour pros don't even do that. So, right. but you're right. So I really, what you can control, you know, you're going to miss greens, I think is the point. So Correct. continue 2022 theme and <laughs> you're the, year of the short game, keep it going just because this year is the year of the basics and fundamentals you're to break 90 this year. Yeah. Really. And you're close, really focus on your chipping and pitching. It's unbelievable. You know, where you'll see the gains immediately. So I think the theme is be a goldfish like John Rom. Okay. Short memory. You know, I think he's really good at having a short memory. He doesn't internalize it. He doesn't take it personally. He knows what he can do. He knows he's going to have his chances and take them when they present themselves. But before we go, I want to ask you a quick question. I heard that you were starting to wear your Olakai shoes like yeah. everywhere. Is this true? Well, they're great walking shoes, as it turns out, Ev. I mean, it's been cold here in Chicago. We finally got some great weather. You're coming in town. We're going to be playing. So yep. I haven't been able to play too much at all. But yeah, Olakai's are comfortable. And a lot of them are, you know, uh, they got the very fashionable white shoes that go great with jeans, you know, or great yeah. with joggers. So yeah, rock them around the neighborhood. You ever throw that they're heel? They're great. You ever pop that heel down ever? Just see what it's like to slip into them, go to the 19th hole or, or a cocktail hour with well, them that, down, a little extra comfort? That could be next. Okay. Well, guys, I threw that in there because Ola, our friends at Olakai Golf, they have the coolest crossover, most comfortable shoes. You guys have probably heard me tell the story, but I've, I've worn them at Bandon without breaking them in 36 holes every day for three days straight, got zero blisters, and uh, they work for anything. They work on the golf course. They work, look great for work stuff, walking around town, running errands, or just an everyday shoe. Tap the link in our show notes. That'll get you free shipping or tap the link at our bio on Instagram at the part train. That'll also get you free shipping. I think they sold out of a lot of their Azalea special shoes, but maybe they'll have a couple sizes left. You guys check it there. What's the big takeaway here? I think to me, Serm, the masters is a great way for us to see how people handle pressure. I think everybody wants to win the masters, yeah. but the person that wins is usually the best one at managing their emotions. And obviously they got to hit the shots, right? But I think the thing that maybe is important to say is Rory said he knows he's got the shots, but he needs to get into a state that allows those shots to come out. And I think that's the part of the mental game that a lot of people don't maybe think about Serm. Sure. is they think, how's the mental game going to help my swing get better? But what I've learned over this last few months is not thinking about my swing 
has tremendously helped my game. It's funny how that works. I have found a <laughs> pattern that I think I can just stick with and focus on my tempo and making a full turn. Well, yeah, and, and you're, and you're playing remove the golf. big misses, and I'm playing golf. You're, I'm gonna hit it at that bunker. Like you, you're, you're, you have a pl your plan. You're strategic again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going out there playing the game as opposed to trying the game or trying to right make a swing. And on that note, sir, we've never said this on the show. I don't think. Think about a time where you tried to build something, whether it's like a piece of furniture with no instructions, yeah, or maybe you're in uh, you're back in school and a teacher assigns you a project and you look to the person next to you in class. You're like, what, it, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. How hard is it to do that project? It's almost impossible, right? No. Yeah. It's the worst. How the hell can you hit a golf shot without clear instructions? How is your brain going to dictate to your body what to do if you don't tell it what to do? I mean, you get over a shot, right? What do we got here? What do we what do? We got here. What's the plan? <laughs> and when you have that attitude, which you're starting to do again, the results just kind of come a little more naturally. Yeah. Right. And you're making fearless swings. Yep. Oh, it's, it's great. It's kind of a Ted Lasso little finish here. Just be curious, not judgmental. That's what John Rom did. And be a goldfish like John Rom. Super short memory and move on to the next one. He's one tough goldfish. That's and ask sure. yourself. <laughs> Let's He's finish with this. Yeah. <laughs> Ask yourself when you do have that miss, really get curious about was I committed? What was I doing there? And the answer is you, you weren't. You probably weren't. <laughs> Just right. Something wasn't right with my mind. Next shot can be a great moment. Yeah. Just get back to your routine. Well, Reset. thank you. Thank you guys. Congrats to John Rahm. Uh, yeah. What a great champion. And let's keep watching John Rahm. I think we're, we're watching something really special here. We're getting to the the tail end of this tiger era. I hope he can keep it going, but I think we got to take ourselves and and remind ourselves how special it is when we see a guy like John Rahm winning as often as he is. So yeah. thank you guys as always for hopping aboard the train. If we've added any value, do us a solid. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a follow at the Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to keep on track in between podcasts. Keep that mental game sharp. What do they got to do, Sarm, besides being a goldfish? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. This is Evan. Real quick, before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.